Well, the gospel always convicts me because it's like, I can do better. I can do more. Amen? I mean, so the priest walking on the opposite side and you've got somebody in need. How many times have I done that? I raise my hand before you now. When I was in seminary at Mount Angel Seminary about 28 years ago, Sister Timothy was my scripture scholar. Uh, she was a scripture scholar, my professor. She had signed an exegetical paper, that's interpretation of the text and trying to find the meaning and what the author is getting at and the historical context and uh, who the audience is and all these things. And so I did this exegetical paper in the fashion that I do my work when I was in school for 400,000 years before I graduated from seminary. I just went after it and uh, I, I just go after it and try to get it done and complete and do a good job. But, um, and so I, I did that with this paper and then I, got, I, th I thought it was an A paper, you know, that this is going to be an A. I got it back, it was a B plus, you know. So Sister Timothy, God rest her soul, we called her Timmers, that was a special nickname for Timmers. Uh, so I went in and talked to her about it because I, I think she had a, a different angle on giving me that grade, but I didn't know. So I went in and talked to her about this and I said, Sister Timothy, uh, I really felt like that was an, an A paper, but did you, do that? did you do this so that you would challenge me to go deeper and be better and work harder? She said, exactly. And she goes, you know what? I'll change the grade. I said, no, I don't want you to change the grade. I just wanted to get the message. And that was a challenge. Just trying to get by. I'm just going to come to, it's the obligation, you know, it's the obligation to come to Sunday Mass. And if you don't come to Sunday Mass, that is a sin. I have people that come to me that will not go to communion until they've gone to confession if they've missed a Sunday Mass because they believe that's a mortal sin. It's a sin because we separate ourselves from Christ. And the whole point is the opposite. So I want to juxtapose that story about just getting by. Yeah, I can, I can get an A and I can do that quickly and I have the ability to do that to like, I'm called to more, I'm called to greater to what we experience in the gospel today. So if Jesus came in here this morning, say he walked in, which he is here, if he came in here, what do you think he'd do? What would he do? Who, who would he approach? And what would that be like? And so I don't think he would approach this pew to say, oh, there's a chip on it or the color of the church. I think he'd go right to you and look in your eyes and face to face and he would be looking intently and wherever you went, if you tried to run away, he would be right there. And he, he would try to take anything away from you that takes you away from him. He would want just his fullness of life in you. You know what that's called? Saint. He'd make you a saint. And that's what the church is about because Jesus makes saints in the church. And that's why we're here, that fullness of life. And what would that mean, being a saint? That would mean eternal life. And he would go to every length and every extreme for you and me. And thank God that he's so big that he can do that for us all, all at the same time. That's what we, he would do. And so this lawyer, this scholar of the law, this intelligent, informed, esteemed person in the community comes up to Jesus. He says, uh, what must I do to gain eternal life? And it, it's kind of funny because we can't do anything because <laughs> Christ does it all. We just have to say yes to it. But, but what must I do? And Jesus, what, how does he respond? You must love the Lord with all your mind, heart, soul, strength, being. You must love him with all your being and love your neighbor as yourself. The lawyer's question is kind of minimal, right? What must I do just to, to get in there to heaven? 
If I just go to mass every Sunday, will that do it? If I just say my prayers? And J Jesus is saying, you know, it's not about minimum, the maximum, everything is the minimum that I want you to do. The maximum is the minimum that I want you to do. Now this, my friends, pray that we can wake up to it because I think in my life we're so dull to love and the infinite power of God working in our midst that he wants us to be like, okay, and the minimum is the maximum of what we want to do. So you get the point. The maximum is the minimum necessary. So he, he says that and then the guy's like trying to ask another minimum question. Well, who's my neighbor? Figure out who's in my neighborhood. And then I'll love them, but come on, Jesus, don't, don't make it really big. Just make those people that look like me and think like me and talk like me and act like me and that are in my denomination of Roman Catholicism. And Jesus is saying, the maximum is the minimum necessary. That's what I'm asking for you. And so I had a tough conversation yesterday with a young man. He's studying for his doctorate in theology. It was after the funeral, and we were talking, and he said, yeah, thank you, Father John, for talking about love. And he goes, I pray that you leaders of the church can reach out to those on the margins. He said, my cousin is transgender, and he tried to take his life two weeks ago. Father John, please reach out to the people on the margins. And here I am talking. That cut me through the heart. That's your brother. That's what you say yes to when you receive the Eucharist. You say yes to him. To being there for him. To loving him. To helping him in his hurt and his confusion in any way that you can. In our gospel today, Jesus tells a story, the victim, he, he fell victim, the victim. We don't, the victim's not described. We know nothing about the victim. How you would identify people is by their accent, how they spoke, and how they dressed. And Jesus is saying, there's no description. Hence, brothers and sisters, there's no deliberation on who you're, you're going to serve. Jesus is saying, this victim is anybody who is in need, anybody all time. Who's your neighbor? Anybody who has a heartbeat all the day long. And if we can wake up to that reality that God is calling to us in Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, then we will never be dull and uninvolved again. And how many times do we walk by? We either are going to be a good Samaritan or we're going to walk by every day, all the day long. That's the question. That's what's put forth to us when Jesus tells us this story. And so the question is not so much, who is my neighbor? It's not about the other person, it's about me. Who will I become neighbor to? Will I become neighbor to that transgender brother that took his life because he was so desperate and hopeless? The, early church in a beautiful way of reading the Bible. It's called typology. So there's types in the Old Testament that are fulfilled in the new, are, are uh, fulfilled in the gospel. So Origen of Alexandria in the early centuries, in the second century, talked about this Good Samaritan story. 
and he said this, the Good Samaritan is Jesus. The victim who got beat up is Adam who fell in creation through sin. That's you and me. We're lying in a ditch dead. And the Good Samaritan comes along. The reason that we're lying in the ditch dead is because of the robbers or the evil one that want to rob us of life and everlasting life. The animal that the victims put on, that's the body of Christ. The body of Christ, you and me. How is the body of Christ, the body of Christ in our world? We receive it and then we become the body of Christ in the world. The end, where the victim is taken to, that's the church. That's where we have healing and wholeness. And that's the typology for us. That's where we have to start with, brothers and sisters. You got to let Jesus come to you in your own ditch, in your own hell, being left for dead so that he can come and put you on his body and blood, feed you with his body, blood, take you to the church so that we can become whole and full and that we can become saints, meaning we're experiencing everlasting life. And that's the story of the Good Samaritan. Jesus is the Good Samaritan and he asks us to be that for one another. We're gonna have a baptism here in a few minutes of Basil Theodore. Basil Theodore is gonna be baptized into the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. What does that mean if you are baptized? That means you're baptized into Jesus, giving himself 100% on the cross. It's not like a 20% giving on the cross or 50% giving. He gives everything. The maximum is the minimum necessary. This is our faith. This is, this is the heart of the Catholic faith and what we believe and what he's done for us in being his good, the good Samaritan for us and everything that he gives. I have a question for you. Is there such a thing as half a saint in heaven? <laughs> is there any sin in heaven? I don't know about you, but I got work to do. I mean, he has work to do, but I got to let him do the work in me so that I can let him get me to be a saint so that I can enjoy everlasting life. That's what this is about. It's about him coming in and then us being that for each other so that all these people that are dead, left for dead in the ditch would be brought to the church and they would have healing and wholeness through the, the word and the sacrament and you, the body of Christ. That's the gospel. That's what we live for. That's the heart of it. And that's the whole goal. I'll come to, to mass when I feel like it, maybe ask the Good Samaritan, Jesus, how much he wants you to come to Mass. Maybe ask the Good Samaritan, hey, I need to get right. I've heard, I was hearing confessions before Mass because people wanted to be right with him because maybe ask Jesus, how often do you want me to go to confession? Maybe ask Jesus, how do you want me to live my life? What changes do you want me to make in my life? And because anything that is not of him he wants to take out, so it will be his life in us. And that will be the fullness of life. But there's the robber. It's gonna leave you half dead in the ditch to fend for yourself and leave you there unless we are brought into the church. So the maximum is the necessary minimum.
What's my orientation? Am I a minimalist? I'm just going to be there on Sunday Mass. You think that's enough for, to receive eternity? To receive that which is unseen and that will last forever and does not fade or rust or corrode? Ask yourself that question. Be honest. Am I doing as little possible to get by? And then when you ask yourself that question, look at the cross. All in. He was everything. Can you imagine if we went after Jesus as much as we did money or status or looking good or jobs or sports? Not that those are bad things, but let's get it straight. That's what church is about, is getting it straight. What's number one? What's number one? Where you go, the decisions you make, I'll tell you what's number one, whatever that is. So, John Paul II talked about this, that what is placed on us is the permanent action of the Holy Spirit to love as the Lord loves in the manner that he loves each and every person. That's, that's what the permanent action of the Holy Spirit is on your soul right now, to love your neighbor. And the question isn't, who is my neighbor? The question is, who do I need to be neighbor to? And that's everyone with a heartbeat. Everyone in the ditch lying for dead. And you know who is that? Everyone. Everything. That's the call. There's only th one thing that Jesus wants from you. Everything. Buck up, Catholics. Buck up, Christians. He wants everything. Amen? Amen means so be it. I pray in your heart and my soul. Let's just pray, Lord, what we have professed, that you have given us everything and the minimum necessary is the maximum, everything. So we pray that we would wake up to the reality that you have given us everything and may we give you and each other everything as you have given us everything on your cross. We pray to stop getting by, being superficial, doing the minimum, living for ourselves. We pray to live in and for and through you as we read in our second reading so that we will give everything, our body and mind, our strength, our being, everything for you. And how you've asked us to do that is to do that for others. So for this we pray. We pray to give everything just as you have. And we believe that you will live in us. You will make us your saints and we will have eternal life in you. Everything. Amen.